Welcome to the Women in Safety podcast. Do you have questions around how can you be recognized for your contributions and get ahead? Join our global WIS community, which provides a supportive space for women and our allies. Our discussions help break down barriers and support diversified leadership around the world. To subscribe and listen to our shows, visit safepedia.com. Now, here's our Women in Safety discussion. Hi, and welcome to another WIS show. We've got a great conversation in store for everybody today. We've been doing a series over the past few months on building ourselves up and gaining access to higher level positions of influence. We're going to continue that discussion. In this episode, we're going to be speaking about supporting and creating future leadership. Today, we have with us Anne Isaacs and Lauren Crawley. So Lauren, I wanted to kick this off by asking you, can you share a little bit about how your own professional leadership journey began? Yeah, so um, hi everyone. Um, my name's Lauren Crawley. I currently work for um, Oxford Biomedica. Um, Oxford Biomedica are a biotech company. Um, I'm the health safety and biosafety advisor there. Um, so my leadership journey really started, well, from the very beginning, I, I was a scientist in my previous life. Um, I enjoyed the science, I enjoyed the um, research, finding out new things, um, interacting with colleagues, it's quite um, a team atmosphere. But I, I began to find it a bit repetitive, so I, I, I wanted to move out of the lab environment. Um, I moved into a sort of more lab management sort of role, um, which was where my sort of leadership journey began, I, I believe. Um, and then I kind of sort of moved. I, lab management involves um, a bit of uh, the lab operations side and the health and safety side. And I think I was enjoying the health and safety side of things a bit more. So I decided to focus on that and move into health and safety. Um, in health and safety, I've been in health and safety for about six years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've only recently taken on the more specialist position of biosafety. Um, and this is where I think I have developed my leadership a lot more. I have a lot more interactions with um, the senior leadership teams and I'm making a lot more, I have a lot more relationship with the um, HSE and other regulatory authorities so um I think that's sort of like the story of my career and um yeah my jump into leadership so you really started when you kind of transitioned over to health and safety to realize that you could grow and blossom is that right yeah that's right and also um I'm really keen in volunteering. Um, I've done mm -hmm. a lot of volunteering in the past and I felt like in volunteering, um, somehow I get more opportunities to develop. Um, I've had I, I've held a lot more leadership roles in my volunteering than I have in my career maybe. Um, I've been a volunteer for St. John Ambulance and I've held, a, a, I've been a unit manager um, with St. John Ambulance. So I managed approximately 50 volunteers. Um, and I've never had that kind of managerial experiences in my career. Um, Isn't that so. funny how that works, Anne? That when we do start volunteering, we kind of find those areas that we can blossom and grow. 
And, but in our career, we kind of pigeonhole ourselves. And I was kind of interested in what was your uh, professional leadership journey? How did you get to where you are? So I um, used to work with the University of Nottingham and I worked there for 16 years and I started my life as um, a conference secretary. And I eventually was given my own sort of roles and responsibilities managing conferences. And I did that for six years. And I eventually did my diploma in business and finance. And I got the bug that I needed, there was more for me. And I applied um, for a job as an assistant hall manager managing student halls. And I have to tell you, at the time I was laughed at because never before has a secretary gone from a secretary to a, a managerial role. But I knew that there was something more in me to give. And that's how I sort of, sort of catapulted myself into a position. And I really haven't looked back. I got promoted six months later to manager and have just continued to grow ever since because there is always, I've always felt there was something in me to give. And like Lauren, I have volunteered for many, many years. And again, in the committee, I started as a secretary and a few years later, I was the chair of the committee. Mm -hmm. um, so they, and it's your growth in volunteering, as Lauren has said, seems to be much bigger <laughs> and quicker than in, in, your in your professional work life. And I don't know, I couldn't even say what the answer is, why it's so much slower, but the, the journey is the same, but it's slow, but we get there. We still, we still get to grow and it's about having that um, sort of belief in yourself because one of, one of my favourite quotes is, and when I, I talked and I've, told, I've said this to Lauren, that you've got to believe in somebody else's belief in you until your own belief kicks in. And that kind of really motivates me when you've got people around you who can motivate you and push you along, which is great. Now, I wanted to kind of stick on this theme of volunteering for one moment and kind of see if you're feeling the same thing I am, is that when you are doing volunteer work, because it's it's more of an investment that you're doing, you're not getting that financial um, exchange. Do you believe that may be why we're wanting to push that envelope and say to the others in the environment, actually, I can do more? Laura? Yeah, well, it's a difficult one. I think um, the fact that there's no financial reward, I guess we're looking for rewards in other ways. And I guess that's, I guess you're looking for the reward of like the satisfaction of maybe growth or, or the reward of like helping or, or in some other way. And I think that sort of spurs you on a bit more than a financial motivator in some people, maybe. I definitely agree with you, because I think when I think about the things that I am volunteering and the giving back to people um, that we that we do in the different areas of the volunteers that I am in at the moment, there is nothing like you say, the financial thing to hold us back. We just keep going, just keep going. And there's also I know with my volunteer work, you know, uh, first time that I've I've actually exposed myself to, to being on board of directors, you know, in, it was in volunteer work. And it was, my mindset is maybe I don't have all the qualifications on the list for being an executive, but 
I think that I have something of real value to contribute. So I'm going to throw my hat in because I'm not being paid anyway. So, you know, you're getting my time for free. So it's a win-win as far as I'm seeing. Whereas when I'm, I'm, I'm actually applying for a position, a job, I kind of stop and I reevaluate, like, do my competencies really line up? exactly with what they're looking for because there is that exchange of uh, dollar for my talent yeah yeah I think there's also a lot more other sort of intricacies within the workplace where you have to kind of almost conform to some of the behaviors within a workplace um, and the workplace environment whereas in volunteering you can just almost be yourself a bit more because there's you there's no one judging you. You don't, you're not, you, you don't have to ma- match your pay grade or anything like that. Um, you can just do what you want to do. And um, I think that helps as well. And it works out well for everybody. And you, and you get that personal growth and personal achievement as well, because as much as you're giving, you're getting as well. Yeah, and I want to actually continue on with that theme about as much as you're giving, you're getting as well. Because Lauren, you're actually in a uh, mentorship program, aren't you? That Rospa and L'Oreal are doing in One Wish. Yeah, that's correct. So um, I applied, as I'm sure um, you've heard from the other listeners, <laughs> um, to um, be on the Leading Safely um, program, um, and that was. Um, um, the partnership that you mentioned. Um, I think I was quite surprised to, f- <laughs> to be picked for it, to be honest, because from the programme, it sounded like that they were looking for um, already established leaders. Um, and I thought, oh, I haven't really, I've sort of been at a technical level um, in health and safety for a while now. And I, I've, I've been looking to sort of um, progress a bit further, um, but I've always had, sort of a boss above me who's always done the work at the C-suite level. Um, and so I've had very little interaction um, with the C-suite in my previous roles. Um, so that was quite kind of my motivation for joining the course. Um, and I was the course itself was great because it um, gave us a lot of information about some of the things that the senior leadership team are interested in, um, some of the current um, thinking. Um, in business at the moment Um, and yeah I learned a lot about how to get across the message how to get across some of the messages to the senior leadership team that I would otherwise not know where their priorities were Um, so that it was a really interesting course a day course and um, there were six of us on it Uh, we had some really great conversations about um, what was holding us back in some cases. And um, we're all at very different levels of our career. So it was really interesting day. Um, And I was even more surprised to find out that the mentoring came as a result of it. Um, It it was, uh, yeah, a nice surprise. And to be matched with Anne, she's she's great. She's a real motivator. And I think we were really well matched. And we we have some really great discussions and there's a lot of laughter. Mm <laughs> yeah, I I um I was um asked by um Louise Hoskins, who is the um collaborator of the One Wish, who um 
the other collaborators are Karen McDonnell from Rosper and Malcolm Staves from L'Oreal doing the Safe at Work and Safe at Home project. So I was asked by Louise to come and be a mentor for this project. And as Lauren says, you know, we were matched and I am absolutely delighted to be matched with Lauren. And I think, yeah, we'll, I think we'll be friends for a long, long time to come. So I wanted to kind of throw it at you now and a little bit about um, in your journey towards leadership, what were the barriers and challenge that you faced along the way? So um, it's the very first one is about um, being sort of being respected because I'm five foot nothing. And um, when you go into a room, I um, was never the person that anybody would be looking to. So I had to sort of work at being present um, because there were many times where, and you've heard this phrase before, it's imposter syndrome. I'll be in the room and I'd, I'd have to question myself, but then I had to overcome that and you know, stand firm and stand strong in my truth that I am here, I am present, so that people, it would change the perception of people about me. Because when you're moving up through the grades, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult journey. And you, you come across the other one of the other things is difficult people having to deal with difficult people. Um, and, and of course, there's the pressure when things go right or when things, especially when things go wrong, everybody's looking to you and you've just got to hold your own and deal with it. Um, but one of the other thing, one is it's a continual thing, is about staying motivated because even as a leader, you've got to lead and stay motivated to bring the others along with you. And yeah, we all have up days and down days, but it's about, you know, putting on that smile and pushing forward. Um, there's some culture issues. I'd say that that was that's a challenge as well. But it's about not only my own, but understanding other cultures and dealing with them, and and having to having to explain. I had a, I had a situation when I was managing student halls where um, something was getting broken all the time, and I had to understand this individual's culture, why this particular thing was getting broken, having this conversation. And then I had to relate back to the rest of the students that were living in the flat to say, this is normal in his home. And, you know, sort of bringing everybody along the journey. So it, 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 yeah, it's, it's about under, understanding, you know, people and people's behavior. But um, yeah, well, I think one of the, the things is, is staying focused and uh, making sure that the people around you are motivated and, you know, doing what they need to do and, um, and, and, and giving them support as well. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that piece about being respected and being present. And I know that in, there has been the label tossed around about imposer syndrome, but I, but I do think it's more inside of ourselves that it's happening, that um, we're, there's, there's a dip in confidence. Because when I've spoken to um, managers, et cetera, about it, they're not seeing it. They're not seeing us the same way 
as we're seeing us. Does that make sense to you? It does, yes. And so I wanted to kind of break that open a little bit more because I think our audience probably that really resonates with them saying, oh yeah, you know what? I, I feel the same way. So can you share how you, you kind of broke out not feeling present? So, um, I mean, one of the key um, bits I was going to give to the audience was about how I, how I set myself when I go to a meeting um, and it has been commented on. So I go to a board meeting every month and even before in my previous roles, I would have to deliver a report to be to, at this meeting. And there were others in that meeting that would just come and not even provide a paper, but I always made sure that I provided a proper report and I delivered and A, opened me and helped me deliver what I needed to do in the meeting. But also I believe it let others know that I knew what I was talking about. So that I was there in that room, that I wasn't just, you know, running <laughs> sort of scared as so to speak. Whereas others that were in the room, they were able to get away with it. But I knew that I had to be a lot stronger and I had to be, as I say, present and deliver what I had to deliver. I think on uh, presence too, um, I kind of get the fit. I heard something the other day in a webinar that I listened to. Um, the question was, are you a martyr or are you a professional? And a martyr is sort of like the person who, who is the first to show up, the last to leave, does all the bits, um, does all the bits that kind of get left by everyone else. Um, sort of like the, the bits that don't really sort of make you very visible. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, like, I think women kind of tend to do those kind of jobs and be the, be that martyr in a lot of cases. And it's kind of just trying to like, not not work as hard, but work smarter. And Anne's come up with a lot of um, very useful tips for how to work smarter, um, to be more visible mm. and present, I guess. I was thinking about something you'd said earlier about, um, maybe Lauren said it, it's about the roles and the jobs that women do and how, how we set ourselves, even though the managers don't see it. And it's a very well-known fact that when a woman applies for a job, she'll look at the list and out of the 10 items, if she can do seven of them, she'll think that that job's not for her. Whereas a man, if he looks at that list, he'll look at it and if he can do six of them, he'll apply anyway. And then, you know, sort of, sort of jig himself around the other bits that he's not sure of, but still get the job. Whereas us women, if we're going for a job, we make sure that we can do 100% of that job before we apply. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's how we are. And, but again, getting back to the point that um, Lauren was making about being a martyr or a professional, I think I would argue, I believe that we, as we sit in both camps, that we are very professional and we are martyrs at the same time because we, as, as I've said just a moment ago, and I'm sure the listeners, I hope the listeners agree with me, that we, we give 110% of both professional and martyring because we, we want to get the job done. Now, Anne, do you think that when we see those, what, what's being termed as martyr tasks or martyr pieces of the job, 
we're doing that because it's in our comfort zone or we're doing it because we feel, well, somebody has to do it? No, I believe it's about us. Um, and I'm, I was looking for the word because um, it's, that, it's about our integrity and how, how we do stuff. Um, and that's, that's it's simply that. We've, we, we, we just grab it and go and get it done. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, I think we just we just want to get the job done. Um, so if 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 I guess someone else isn't doing it, then we'll just go along and pick up pick up the pieces to get it done. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I, and I think that's why we end up um, and it's called busy work. They they tend to call that busy. Like, are you doing busy work? Or are you doing um, um, quality work? Right. So I wanted to, to move towards us getting some recommendations for our audience from the, from the two of you. So could you share um, some ways that you have helped to provide support to others wanting to enter leadership roles? Lauren, why don't you kick this off? Yeah, so I guess that um, as we've discussed quite a bit so far, um, increasing visibility is very important. Um, it's about sort of making making connections with uh, as many stakeholders as possible, um, building relationships, um, and and then and then they will be able to. I guess you got to get to know people to get to know the right people to pitch ideas to and things like that. Um, so again, um, Anne's been very helpful in giving me some little tasks to help create. <laughs> and increase my visibility in my organization um and and i think yeah i'd be really willing to put, sort of pass those those on to other people as well um i think uh also i would suggest um we want to unleash our innovator within us it's really important to bring new ideas um and new ways of working um, and things like that. It's, it's really handy actually, because our um, one of our company values is innovation. So they're really keen for us to, um, yeah, bring new ideas to the table. And um, it's really important that we get recognized for those ideas. Um, so I think, uh, again, Anne's been really helpful in sort of helping me sort of find ways to um, be recognized for my ideas. Um, and, and yeah, I guess uh, that's what I would say is important for a future leader is to be innovative, bring new ideas to the table, new ways of working and keep looking for ways to continuously improve processes and, and things as well. So I um, would recommend that anybody um, wanting to you know, be a leader or have some tips to develop to being a leader would be in your business, in your organisation, think about um, the bigger picture. Um, just, just don't just think about the task at hand. Um, think holistically. And as Lauren's talked about, bringing ideas to the table. But as I alluded to earlier, um, what I did was not just bringing a piece of paper to a meeting, 
bring a proper report, bring and talk about what it is that you have to say so that people can sit up and listen so that you are, they, the focus is on you when you're delivering your, your, your piece in the meeting. And also um, think about asking strategic questions because one, one of the things is your boss will then start to see you You'll, they'll start to see your face in that crowd in that meeting and pay pay attention and take note um, again that will increase your your visibility you might even want to try mentoring some other people for yourself because a mentoring is a two-way street um, because um, I'm so delighted that I've got Lauren and to watch her grow and I've said this to her before and I hope she's not going to bluff. I've watched her grow like a flower it's been beautiful it has been really, really beautiful. And I, I will continue to see her develop and go on to great bigger things. Well, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. It was a great show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Women in Safety podcast. This series comes to us through L'Oreal and RASPA Safe at Work, Safe at Home partnership in association with One Wish. So thank you very much for your support. If you're looking for safety content to share out with your team, please navigate over to safeopedia.com where we're sharing out webinars, articles, reports, and new podcasts daily. That's safepedia.com. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you for joining the Woman in Safety podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please connect with us to join our global WIS community to subscribe and listen to our show or find more great safety resources, visit safepedia.com. Until next time, stay safe.